1: that's me i like how you paved the road for me just to make sure i got there you
0: you messed me up i was gonna jump in so fast you always complain about the delay which i'm convinced now is because our audio is actually delayed just through the the magic of sending our voices remotely and uh i was thinking about this the other day i was like maybe if i just jump in ridiculously fast so it sounds like i'm talking (laughs) over him when i splice it together it'll be right but you didn't even give me the chance you didn't even give me the chance to correct it you freaked out about something else
1: I was thanking you for your generosity when you threw it to me. That was so kind anyway, and so forced.
0: <laughs> so, so forced. But the podcast where we try to solve your long-running relationship issues in 10 minutes or less. How are you doing today, Steve?
1: You, do you really want to know, James? Because I could go on at length.
0: I, I do not want to know. But what I do want to know <laughs> is the answer to this question. Here it is. Uh, My wife has been going through a tough time for the past few years with depression. We're married with young kids and a large part of it is the general feeling of inadequacies as a mom. She tends to compare herself to uh, her siblings who are all super moms. I try my best to support her, but her negative attitude sets off a lot of my own personal insecurities. She recently started teletherapy and hopefully that's something that could help her. How can I continue to support her while she's going through this? She tends to be very private about these calls and I don't want to pry. How can I keep myself from... From falling, in, uh, falling into my own insecurities. For Steve, I'm a 31-year-old male, and we've been married for seven years. Thanks. Love the podcast. So we know right off the bat he has bad judgment because he loves the podcast, but that's okay. We won't hold it against him. Go ahead and take it away, Steve.
1: All right. Let's 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 break down the game film here. Uh, y- depression in young kids and inadequacy, all of this... It funnels down to what he said in sort of passing, but I think is the root of all evil here, which is negative attitude. And there is something to be said for a genetic predisposition toward depression. Like uh, some people are dealt different hands than others, but nothing will create and exacerbate depression like um a negative mindset where you can find a gray lining in any silver cloud. So I understand that she's <laughs> private about some of her therapy calls and it might be, it, I wouldn't take that personally. Like she's complaining about you. Like there might be things with her mother, with her family or stuff that she just doesn't want you to know about. So I let her have that for herself and don't get all freaked out about it. But back to your question, if you want to help her the most, and I'm not sure how open she is to listening to you, but to to start teaching or I'm not teaching coaching her to change her point of view, to where do forced things like if something when, when something happens, it's not really good or bad, it's just an event, and the the valence you ascribe to it sort of defines your reaction. So you you can control your emotion, but you can't control the event. So if it happens and you think this is the worst thing that's ever happened, it's probably all my fault. My siblings would do this better. It's never going to get better than this. It's only going to get worse. Like, of course, you're going to drive your depression further into the ground. So even you you don't have to be an adult cheerleader where you're telling her to say everything's wonderful all the time. But there are good things that can come out of bad experiences, even if you interpret them as bad. So it starts, coaching her on what's the upside what could what are some good things that are happening as the result of this even some uh, what are you uh, grateful for every day we have healthy kids you got a husband who goes to work you you've uh, you've got your health like uh, teaching her mind to start focusing on positives and reinforcing positives when she talks to herself because reality, or truth, let's call it truth, with a capital T, is created by what we are, what we get, uh, what repeats inside of our heads. So. This is why they say if somebody's fat, as a little kid, and then loses weight, they always kind of feel like a fat person inside. It's because their hard drive was programmed with all these hidden files that over and over and over again are, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. And that becomes the truth. And it's hard to reprogram that, but not impossible. So all of that to say this, as she talks to herself, have her catch herself being negative, focusing on negative, repeating negative. If she's mad at you, she can stay mad forever. If all she focuses on is everything you do that she doesn't like. But the way spouses get over arguments is they put those negative thoughts aside. They start focusing on, I do kind of love the big lug, that kind of thing. Or he is a good provider. Or he takes care of me. Like You focus on the positive. So same with life in general. She's probably tired. she has young kids, that doesn't help. Uh, She probably does have super siblings, which also doesn't help. But that doesn't mean that she's dead in the water. It's about how you interpret your situation and Take action to change it. <laughs> what say you, James?
0: I can solve this entire situation <laughs> with one sentence. <laughs> but yeah, buy her a little book called "Bare Minimum Parenting: The Ultimate Guide <laughs> to Not Quite Ruining Your Child." I hear <laughs> and I've heard this secondhand that it somehow has all of the wisdom that pertains to this exact situation. I, I might know the guy who wrote it, uh, but anyway, it's uh, the, the lessons from that really all apply here. Uh, So first of all, the the feelings of inadequacy... so, I really don't think there's such a thing as super moms. There's there are people who portray themselves as super moms, and how, how do you know that they're super moms? They tell you that they're super moms. They post all over social media that they're super moms. But, I mean, truthfully, are your kids going to care 20 years from now if their party had, you know, themed hors d'oeuvres that match the wall decorations? <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's super mom territory.
1: <laughs> yeah, the
0: the stuff that looks great on on Instagram. Think about how little of your own childhood you really remember. I mean, truthfully... If you raise those kids to be healthy and independent so they don't end up living with you when you're adults, if you keep them out of the criminal justice system, if you get them to the point where they don't blame you for all of their problems, then you've done a great job as as a parent. And anything on top of that is really just gravy. And I think that's what people become obsessed with. They become obsessed with that final 1% of making everything look perfect. And it's stuff that you don't just really remember. I mean, it's kind of shocking when you look back at your own childhood, how few memories you actually have to pull up. And when you do pull up those memories, they're not even in real memories. They've been rewritten in your head so many times. I mean, people are Unreliable eyewitnesses when they give accounts of something that just happened, like literally just happened in front of them. You know how unreliable you are when you're recounting a story from 20 years ago that you've retold 55 times to 55 different audiences, rewriting yeah. it each time. It's it's just we parents need to cut themselves some slack. And I, I think the uh, and I, the main premise of that book. Is, so it started out as a joke. You know, let's see how little we can do and still raise functional kids. And by the end of it, I, I built up the argument that I think you're better off if. If you if you just chill out and take it easy. So what is really going to benefit her kids right now are they going to be better off if they have a depressed mom who's killing herself to be perfect or are they going to be better off if they have a happy carefree mom who accepts her imperfections and just embraces it embraces life I think they are going to be way better off if they have that happy carefree mom who lives in the moment than they have if they have one who's just miserable by comparing herself to other parents like who cares what other parents are going to do they don 't have veto power over how you raise your kids uh, and here's another kicker like think about like the people you you Know as an adult who you met as an adult and you never knew anything about their childhoods, like can you tell who went to the best preschool, who had the best birthday parties, who was breastfed versus bottle fed? There are so many things <laughs> that want to be super moms beat themselves up over that just don't have that many bearing, that much of a bearing long term. I think mean, like, over time, we just kind of average out. <laughs> you're gonna turn out how you're gonna turn out. You've got you've got genetics in there, you've got environment, it all, it all mixes in, but but really, you look at somebody, you never say, Boy, I bet they have had bad parents. I mean, not when you're 40 or 45 years old. At some point, it's on your kids. So, uh, yeah, your wife definitely needs to relax. Uh, I was kind of joking about getting her that book, but I'll also definitely buy her that book. It's good that she's in therapy, Uh, but as far I'm going to focus for a second, uh, the last uh, few seconds we got here, on you. You said, how can I keep myself from falling into my own insecurities? Uh, I think what you should do is focus on yourself and be the kind of parent that you want your kids uh, to have. So, don't worry. I mean, so obviously it's a concern and if, if your wife is depressed and she's getting help for that, that's great. And we hope she, she mellows out and can kind of you know take the lighter side. But what can you do to balance things out? You yourself, what can you do with your kids to be the kind of parent that you think they want to raise them in that happy, healthy household? Uh, so focus on that. Focus, and, and when you do that, when you know that you're doing the best job you can, and when I say best, I don't mean super dad, I mean a reasonable job of raising reasonable children, then I guess I think it doesn't matter so much um, what those insecurities are because you're taking care of what you need to. Take care of, uh, and you can be confident in that. When we do things we're good at, we feel more confident, and uh, it's real easy to feel confident when you kind of embrace the the slacker, laid back lifestyle. So I would definitely encourage you <laughs> to go in that direction. Uh, and uh, between the two of you, I think your kids are going to be just fine. And uh, spoiler alert: even if you're the worst parents in the world, there's a good chance your kids are probably still going to be fine. So if you if you're the best parents in the world, you say I'm great because uh, you know my parents were so good. And if you're the worst parents in the world, Old, you say I'm great because look at my tragic backstory. Look at what I had to overcome. So worst case scenario, you give them a cool, you know, intro chapter for their biography for all the all the adversity they had to face and how awesome they turned out. Uh, closing thoughts, Steve?
1: James Breakwell, you go, boy. Hey, that was awesome. I don't know who wrote that book, bare minimum, apparently, but he sounds well. Aggressively mediocre, frankly. But anyway, no, all good. I I will say, though, I imagine that negative attitude his wife has extends far beyond just parenting, that it, it probably pervades everything she does and continues to keep her wallowing in that quicksand. So start tinkering with those hidden files on the hard drive. And uh, stick with therapy. Medication's not a bad idea if you feel like you're floundering and starting to lose hope. Otherwise, James, let's bring it home.
0: All right. Well, I do have uh, one other thought, though. I actually want to agree with you a little bit. It's, I recently read a book that I did not write, and uh, it, it talked about really how much <laughs> we live in our own heads. And the exercise that stuck out to me is like, if you're stuck on something, you want somebody to apologize to you, something you can do that's been proven to work in clinical situations, is write an apology. Write it from the other person. And your brain reading that can be tricked into like accepting it and moving on. Uh, Same thing if you have somebody uh, you want to apologize to. Just the act of writing out the apology, even if you never deliver it, makes your brain think you've done it. Uh, So as to what Steve's saying, if you convince yourself you're unhappy, you're going to stay unhappy. And if you convince yourself you're happy, there's a good chance you'll be happy. The whole fake it till you make it thing, it turns out there's a lot of science behind it. Speaking of faking it till you make it. If you want to send in your question to our non-expert expert panel here, send that in to James Breakwell at explodingunicorn.com. That's exploding unicorn without the E, and we'll do our best to answer your questions in 10 minutes or less. Today we ran a little bit over because I did rant basically the plot of an entire book, but when you spend an entire year writing something, <laughs> it turns out you have a lot to say. Again, that book is Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. I look forward to the boost of zero books. I will sell from this podcast. <laughs> it's been another week of 10 minutes to save your marriage. I own one. Oh, there we go. But you already bought it. So still no boost. Yeah. <laughs> it's 10 minutes of your life. You'll never get back.